Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to The Athletic Hockey Show, the deadline wrap-up show. Because <laughs> I think almost everything is done. And yes, it's still a couple days away. I am Rob Pizzo from CBC Sports, joined by my line mates, Jesse Granger and Mike Russo, both in Vegas. Deadline day is dead, isn't it, guys? It's it's now just a period of time before the deadline and, and GMs are just not waiting. It's been a busy uh, few days. We'll break it down, boys. Uh, but just, uh, is this the last time we're really gonna put so much hype into deadline day? Because it just doesn't happen anymore. Russo? <laughs> well, I, I was texting with Elliot Friedman that I can't wait to watch him tap dance on Friday for like eight hours live on TV. Yeah. I mean, just imagine what both TSN and Sportsnet are thinking right now on NHL Network for having to, you know, sit there and like, hey, uh, this guy was traded for futures. This guy was traded for an eighth round. I mean, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be I don't know. I mean, it, it, everybody's uh, getting ahead of it. And and, you know, you're still waiting now if, if you know, is Chikrin going, is Besser going? There's still some names out there, but not a lot of them. They have to look forward to the Jacob uh, Chikrin trade talk for the next three trade deadline days, actually. They've, they can already <laughs> schedule that programming out because he's never getting traded. Um, yeah, yeah. Lots, lots of big stuff going on this week. And I know that the biggest thing that happened that you guys can't wait to talk about is the goalie goal. So I'm, I'm glad we're going to get to that later. So much so that we put it in rapid fire at the end of the show just for you, Jesse. But in case you, you haven't been following along, uh, since the last time the three of us spoke, moves came fast and furious. Uh, Dimitri Orloff became a Bruin. Nino Niederreiter is in Winnipeg. The big one, in my opinion, Timo Meyer. Uh, went to New Jersey in a deal that saw nine players and four picks. By the way, their general manager, Tom Fitzgerald, going to be joining us in the second half of the show. And then two other ones that obviously we're going to talk about. The Oilers went out and got defenseman Matthias Eckholm from Nashville. Patrick Kane finally is no longer a Blackhawk, is now a Ranger. In the middle of the night, we had a big one between the Kings and the Blue Jackets uh, that saw Vladislav Gavrikov and goaltender Jonas Carpicello heading to the Kings and going the other way, a couple picks and Jonathan Quick. So a couple of eras coming to an end. We'll talk about that in a minute. But guys, no one was busier than the Leafs. I mean, we had Ryan O'Reilly last week, Jake McCabe, Sam Lafferty, Eric Gustafson, 
Luke Shen, all now Leafs on the way out. Rasmus Sandin, Pierre Engvall, two firsts, two seconds, and a third. Just to name a few. There's there's actually more moving pieces. Um, but I just tried recapping that all in about a minute and a half. I didn't. Um, biggest one that jumps out to you. Maybe the biggest trade that jumps out to you or the biggest, you know, GM move that uh, made you raise your eyebrows. We'll start with you on this one, Jesse. Yeah, I mean, to me, the obvious one is Meyer. Um, just because not just the the current, what he brings to the Devils, but the fact that he's the youngest of this group of guys that was getting moved during the deadline. But I think aside from that, I'm pumped to see what the Rangers look like in the playoffs because I like I remember the day they traded for Tarasenko. Everyone kind of thought, well, that Drury's kind of getting the fans off his back. Like, stop asking for Patrick Kane. We got you, Tarasenko. Be happy with that. It's a great addition. And then... Patrick Kane also coming to New York. That that team is loaded. Um, and and you could say that about what feels like half of the entire Eastern Conference right now. But that, I mean, Gerard Gallant, I covered him here in Vegas. They place he he coaches such an exciting brand of hockey, never a dull game. And you've got a team that was already really talented offensively. You add Tarasenko and Patrick Kane, two veteran snipers. They've got maybe the best goalie in the world back there. I really, really like just the makeup of the Rangers. I have no idea if it's going to click and if it's going to all work together. And they've got a brutal stretch to get through. So I don't know necessarily if they're a cup contender, but they are going to be fun to watch. I can't wait to watch the, the Rangers and how this all fits. Yeah, I mean, especially when uh, when you know Patrick Kane a couple of weeks ago after the Tarasenko deal, you know, uh, openly voiced his disappointment, yeah. <laughs> and and it, it was almost like here a bat signal to Chris Drury, like, hey, I'm still here. He could you know try to get me too, um, and somehow he did make it work. It's just amazing how teams are able to do that. Um, you know, the the other big one that jumped out to me this week is Timo Meyer, and you know we're gonna have Tom Fitzgerald on in a bit here, and and man, just what a great pickup for them, and uh, to go already with an incredible core that just looks like they are an exciting team that's on um, that's got many many years of uh you know brightness in in front of them i think that was uh one that jumped out to me and and look i mean there were some you know i know that the that that mike greer and and the sharks have gotten some uh criticism that they maybe they didn't get a lot um but you know look i mean tom fitzgerald figured out a way to get him over a lot of teams that wanted him including the carolina hurricanes who um i'm actually around here um in vegas right now um, and I do wonder what Mike Greer thought about, you know, 20 minutes after he made that trade when all of a sudden the Tanner Janot deal happened with the Tampa Bay Lightning and <laughs> they gave up a first, a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth and Cal foot. Um, but it was fascinating. Listen to Julian Breezeball really justify it. And, and the stuff that he said made sense for the window that the, that the Lightning are in. You know, to me, <laughs> I think the Timo Meyer deal excuse me, is is one of the reasons why we were joking about there's no longer trade deadline day. You know, it used to be you could wait till 2.45 Eastern time and say, okay, give us your best offer. You've been holding back. Come on. That deal looks so friggin' complicated as far as how many moving pieces, how many picks, the conditional picks, what's the condition, What that there's just no way GMs are able to throw things like that together at the last minute. That Meyer deal, mm. of course, we're all we really look at is Timo Meyer is now a New Jersey Devil, but the the moving parts insane. For me, the Ekholm deal is Well, also just to just to butt in, Rob, I mean, just to write the press release. That's it. I mean, that press release, I mean, it was like an alphabet soup. Some of those last names of some of those players, I wouldn't be able to ever write if I was a deadline <laughs> writer. So, prospects. That's what I always uh 
you learn as a broadcaster when you got to fit it, fit it all in. It's like for three prospects and two picks, if you're looking at <laughs> you can't pronounce their names. Uh, for me, Ekholm was the big one because yeah. you look at the trade deadline. Some teams are making moves because they're sellers. Some teams are making moves to, to maybe quiet down a fan base. The Edmonton Oilers had a need. They needed an, a defenseman who could contribute and eat up big minutes. They went out and got a defenseman who could contribute offensively and eat up big minutes. It's almost like, hey, honey, we need eggs. Okay, you go to the grocery store, you get eggs. Like that's what I felt like that that was. And I've been saying this for a while. Jesse alluded to this. The East is just so hard to get through. Whoever comes out of the East is going to be battered and bruised. And is that when the Edmonton Oilers slip in there and go, all right, we finally get Connor his Stanley Cup? I, I think that's I think that's a huge piece, and I think that's a piece that could maybe be the difference that that they needed. I absolutely love that trade for the Oilers. Yeah, um, we they they were in on Chikrin. It sounded like, and everyone was kind of talking about that. And then I feel like some people were maybe a little let down that they went and got Ekholm rather than Chikrin. And while long term Chikrin's the younger player, he's probably the better player moving forward over the next five years. But for this specific Stanley Cup run, this playoff run right here for the Oilers, I think Ekholm is the perfect piece. I think he's he's ready to, to do exactly what they need. I think he's a more physical defensive presence than than like a Chikrin is. And that's what they need. Like this team has yes. plenty of skill and speed. Like there, there's no lack of skill and speed. They're going to score five goals a night. doesn't matter who you have on the back end. You need somebody in the playoffs to be tough to play against. Being Can't get to the front of their net because he's there. I think Ekholm, I'd really like that fit for the Oilers. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I agree with you. I, 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 hey, I think everybody knows that uh, listens to me on the show how much I like Chikrin and think he's a great, great player. But from a fit standpoint, um, they don't need a puck, puck mover and a shot blaster right now from the point. They need a defender. Um, did you guys watch them lose the other night 6-5 to the Columbus Blue Jackets? I mean, they, they needed a defenseman like this. Uh, as I mentioned, the Leafs and Kyle Dubas busy over the last couple of days. Uh, we, we use uh, the acronym of UFA a lot at this time of year. Kyle Dubas is in the last year of his contract. Uh, is this just him grabbing all his chips, pushing them in the middle and saying, I'm all in. And if this doesn't work, I've done literally everything I can. He's not leaving anything <laughs> in the tank. If they don't get out of the first round now, Dubas is going to say, well, I did. I did it all. Yeah, and I, I like the strategy too. Um, you like rather than maybe sending all those assets to get one piece, um, the 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 Leafs have the big core pieces that you need to win. Um, by all accounts, I mean they haven't done it yet, but it, they have the talent to do it. They're top pieces. I think sometimes maybe adding two, three, four depth pieces that you know you're going to get in the playoffs. Guys are going to get dinged up. Rather than having like an AHL call up filling that role, now suddenly you've you've built that depth. You have a veteran NHLer who's coming in to play. I just it seems like that's kind of what the Leafs need. Um, we'll obviously see if if it pans out. They are almost guaranteed to have an impossibly tough first round matchup with the Lightning. Um, but I like the I like the strategy of let's gather four, three, four, five usable pieces for this run rather than just going all in for like a Patrick Kane or whoever. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's been 56 years since they won a Stanley Cup. And at some point, you got to go for it. You owe it to the fan base. You owe it to the to the to the players in that locker room that have had a, you know, a good season. Um, the, the guys that are in their core and the meat of of their careers here. And, and um, you know, I, I'm I'm pretty impressed that he just keeps on adding there. And I'm going to be interested to see how it all comes together. Right. I mean, that, you know, you reinvent your blue line, half your blue line, the way that he has. It is going to take a little while to get used to systems, get used to playing together um, and to maybe not have a growing pains. But you know what? He, he gave himself six weeks here. Uh, to get them together and get them, uh, you know, meshing and and uh, go into a playoff series that we all know against the Lightning is going to be must see TV, um, and and it is it's a shame. Like you look at all these teams that made. I joked on Twitter the other day with you know Boston adding and all these teams adding the Rangers and New Jersey and Toronto and I still think Carolina is going to do something. Um, there's only one Stanley Cup that's going out, and it could <laughs> actually come from the Western Conference, by the way. Um, but you know. It, it's really a shame when you think about it that how many teams there you have are going to have great teams that don't even get out of round one, and everybody's going to be second guessing everything that they did. But look, these teams went for it, and 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 you know, covering a franchise in Minnesota that always seems to be that little you know little moves, little moves, little moves, and never quite goes for it. I I I respect it. I'm impressed by it, and I'm excited by it. I mean, when you look at these possible matchups, we, we, we're going to be sitting, I mean, almost guaranteed we're going to be sitting here first round of the playoffs with Devils, Rangers, and yeah. Leafs, Bolts. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait. Yeah. yeah, but I would rather see them later in the playoffs. I, I mean, we're not going to go into the one versus eight thing again. We've done it. I think we're on a point streak of like 10 shows of saying one versus eight is better. But uh, I, I want to go back to Kane just for one second because it wasn't a shock that he went to the New York Rangers, maybe a bit after the Tarasenko deal was done. Um, but the return, guys, we haven't really talked about winners or losers here. I look at the return, a conditional second round pick in 2023. It becomes a first rounder in 24 or 25 if the Rangers make the conference final. And then they threw in a fourth rounder as well. For Patrick Kane, to me, that doesn't seem like the return you should get for Patrick Kane. But was that Patrick Kane's fault for waiting as long as he did um, to, to, to officially waive that thing. I, I mean, I don't know. This, this to me seems like a pretty big steal for the New York Rangers. Well, it's, it's definitely a steal. Um, but, you know, Chicago, I'm sure, is looking at it and saying, well, we were going to lose him for nothing anyway, uh, you know, assuming that he's not coming back there on some sort of haircut deal. But I don't think it's that he waited so long. It's that he gave them a team of one. You know, he's yeah. like, this is where I'm going or you're keeping me. It's that simple. This wasn't like Timo Meyer, where you had four or five teams trying to make their best offers to Mike Greer. This was uh, them, just like Giroux last year, where Chuck Fletcher had to basically, I think, sell on you know fifty cents on the dollar rather than maybe getting what he could have gotten for Claude Giroux if he had like seven or eight teams after him. And um, I think that definitely impacts the price. That being said, though, Roos, like you're right, but if he gives them three, four teams. Then you've got a, a situation where it could be negotiated. It could be played against each other. That's where the price goes up. You're right. It's a team of one. And he waited forever to say, no, there's, I'm not going to extend. We really thought the Tarasenko deal would force him to say, either I'm staying or here are three other teams I will accept a trade to. He didn't. And he kept saying, no, no, no to the New York, New York Rangers. And the Blackhawks were completely handcuffed at that point. And end up getting for a three-time Stanley Cup champion, a guy who's won a heart in Art Ross, a Calder. It just seems like a, a, a nothing return to me. 
Patrick Kane's got a great resume, but he is no Tanner Janelle. Come on. <laughs> yeah. A pick per goal, <laughs> I think, is what you t- said to me off the air. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. The Tampa Bay Lightning gave up a draft pick per goal that Tanner Janot has scored this season. Five draft picks, five goals. To see the two returns on those trades, and I think they were made the same day. I don't know. Things have been happening so fast. It might have been the, the Meyer one and and yeah, the Meyer one and Janot were the, like within minutes of each other. To see that the Lightning gave up a first, a second, a third, a fourth, and then Patrick Kane got a conditional second round pick. I'm like, wait a minute, what that like? Did did the did did the insiders accidentally flip these two returns and like we actually got them opposite? Very 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 odd. Um, the Patrick Kane one, you guys have already said all the reasons why the return was so low. But if the Lightning are willing to give up all that for Janot, like what? There was nobody else that wanted Patrick Kane. Very odd. Yeah. Well. I, but again, I, it's I, I mean, teams did want Patrick Kane. Lots of but teams. he wouldn't go right, he, right. Yeah, and that and that impacts the price. There's no doubt. End of eras, as I mentioned earlier, you got Patrick Kane, 16 years in Chicago, three cups, Calder, Hart, Art Ross, Consmite, and Jonathan Quick, 16 years, two cups, and a Consmite. And he was obviously a huge piece of that team. Um, it's going to be weird seeing these guys in New Jersey, isn't it? I mean, when you've got a player who's playing for their fifth or sixth team, it doesn't hit you as hard. But seeing Patrick Kane and Jonathan Quick in different jerseys is going to be weird. Especially considering that they were like such centerpieces of like the last, like, I don't know, generation, whatever you want to call it. 16 years. Yeah. Yeah. Those two. I mean, that what five Stanley Cups between the two. And it just felt like every year it was going to be one or the other that was going to win it. Um, Yeah, it's it's definitely odd. I'm going to be interested to see what happens with uh, Jonathan Quick now, because I cannot imagine that the Blue Jackets are keeping him. Um, I got to think they're going to flip. Um, you know, there are teams that are out there that might need goalies, uh, you know, maybe Vegas, maybe, um, you know, ma- maybe New Jersey, um, you know, maybe Buffalo. Uh, there are definitely teams that, that are going to be interested in trying to maybe get him from the Blue Jackets. And, and I, I would think that they're going to try to flip them in the next couple of days. Yeah, but does a team that needs a goalie want Jonathan Quick? I mean, one of the teams that needed a goalie was Jonathan Quick's team. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> no, that's a good point. He's obviously not having, you know, his his game has deteriorated. Um, but I, I've got to think that, you know, somebody's going to want some insurance and, you know, but but to your point, I mean, you're, he's a you're, veteran. You're I mean, he's, he, I mean, yeah, you're, you're but like as a backup, I agree with you. I, if, if you're looking for for some assurance, hey, if our guy goes down, we don't want to go to this guy who has eight career NHL games we, like Jonathan Quick's a good plan B. Believe it or not, guys, some things happened uh, that had nothing to do with trades. Uh, so let's quickly go through those before we go to break and talk to Tom Fitzgerald. Uh, David Poyle announced he's retiring in June and Barry Trotz going to take over. Uh, the reins as general manager. Your thoughts when you saw this, Russo? We'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, first of all, um, you know, this has been rumored for a long, long time. I think a lot of people uh, really felt that the reason why Barry Trotz was not jumping at uh, m- many, many um, opportunities that he could have had to coach was that he was he was g- that the plan was set for there were him to eventually take over for David Poyle. I think he's had his eyes on trying to go to management for a long, long time. Um, but to Poyle, um, you know, what a career! Um, what a career, you know, starting in the early 80s, 
Um, he's a GM that almost never, ever fired a coach. It's happened like a handful of times in his entire career. Um, ultra patient, built a great, great franchise there in Nashville. Yeah, yeah, they never got over the hump. They got to the Stanley Cup final once. Um, but he built a class organization um, after coming from the Capitals. And um, he is somebody that I think that um, is, uh, you know, pretty much respected by every single general manager in this league and uh, and media and um, just an incredible career, Hall of Fame career. And, uh, you know, I just I wish him well. Uh, he was in Minnesota last week. I had a chance to talk to him. It would have been nice if he dropped hate, by the way. Um, got a little scoop for you, but he didn't do that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's you. You mentioned the respect level for for everyone in hockey that has towards him. He's a, a guy that is in a profession that gets fired like that. Like we're talking, it's so easy to get fired, and he never gets fired. Um, that kind of speaks to the the respect level. And like you said, he never won a Stanley Cup. He didn't, it's not like he won three Stanley Cups and okay, you got this job until you're <laughs> you're like until you don't want it anymore. This is a guy who hadn't won a Stanley Cup and still. There was no thought from from Nashville ownership to fire him just because of, like you said, the respect level and and the job he does. I was still a year away from graduating high school when David Poyle took over that job. <laughs> and I'm not young. <laughs> I didn't just get in, out of high school. This is 1997. Wow. Wow. I covered the first ever freaking uh first of all, F you. Um, <laughs> because I covered the first ever Nashville Predators home game. Wow. So I don't need to hear that you were a year coming out of high school and I don't even want to know what how old I was going to say, wait, wait till Jesse chimes in right now. Yeah. Jesse, how old yeah. were you in 1997? I was six. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so I covered the, I've covered the first two Predators uh, exhibition games and the first uh uh, Predators home game. They were all against Florida. Um, but what I was going to say is what a swan song to go out to. Like, holy crap. I mean, the deal he makes for Janot and then right. the deal he makes for Ekholm. Like, like it's like, here, Mr. Trotz, I'm going to set you up here for the next like five years of just like all sorts of capital. Absolutely. Maybe that's the, that explains the Tanner Janot, the ridiculous return. It was like a retirement gift <laughs> from Julian Breezebois. No, they don't want gold watches. You want picks, right? Uh, and, uh, one more guys. I don't know how to transition from that to this, but Keandre Miller, by the way, do you uh, want me to, you want me to tell you all about that, uh, first ever predators Panthers game? Because it, it would last one second. <laughs> it was the most boring game. I think I've ever covered in my le life. The lead of my story, the lead, you could look this up. People could Google this, go to the sun Sentinel, 1998, October, whatever. And I guarantee you the lead of my story, Dateline Nashville. If that doesn't kill hockey in Nashville, nothing will. That was the lead of my gamer. Panthers won one, nothing on a Ray Whitney breakaway there in the, in the uh, third period. <laughs> uh, Keandre Miller. Spits on Drew Doughty. We've all probably seen it a million times, and we've all debated whether or not it was on purpose. He got suspended for three games. He said it was an accident, said he immediately went to, to Drew Doughty to tell him that. Doughty seemed to kind of say, yeah, that sort of thing happens. Uh, I'll, I'll flat out ask both of you. you. You've seen it. Do you think he did it on purpose? Jesse. I've never accidentally spit in someone's face. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> In my whole life, I mean, thirty-two <laughs> years, I have never, not one time, accidentally. It's just in so face, not so. on brand for him, though. That's the only thing that's really his yeah. saving grace, isn't it? Russo, did he do it on purpose? It's Drew Doughty. Drew Doughty could get any opponent to spit in their face. I, Fair I, point. I, 
Yeah, like that. Drew Doughty figures out a way to get under the skin of pretty much every single opponent. So I think he did it on purpose. I think he did regret it immediately. Um, you know, and he's going to pay the piper here. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know Keandre Miller. He's from Minnesota. I don't know him really at all. Um, but you know, when he says it's an accident, I, you know, you, you want to believe him. I, I think he made a mistake, whatever, whatever the reason, accident or intentional, it was a mistake. As Rob said, um, from what we see, I think it's out of his character. And I think that just there's, you know, that's the way that Drew Doughty goads you into things. Usually he goes you into a, you know, punching him in the face. Uh, not that. Drew Doughty, when they started miking up players, and it's such a ridiculous chirp, but I remember on HBO 24-7, he just kept looking at a guy saying, I don't even remember who it was. He kept going, you're so bad at hockey. You are so bad at hockey. He said it like <laughs> 10 times. And I remember thinking, he's not swearing. He's not anything. And I'm just like, how bad would you feel if Drew Doughty just keeps saying, you're so bad at hockey? <laughs> I'd spit in his face too. No, I wouldn't do it. But yeah, uh, yeah When we were down in games. Florida – when we were down in Florida, we were asking the players, like, who's the best trash talker? Who talks the most trash? And uh, UC Soros was saying, like, he's like, I don't know if it's, like, the best trash talk because it's not really mean. But Drew Doughty talks the most and everyone on the ice enjoys it. Like, everyone yeah. is having a good time when, when Drew Doughty won't shut up because it's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Not spit hilarious, but hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, uh, right, the Wild right. were in LA uh, earlier this season, and talk about out of, out of character as well. Um, uh, he was mugging Kirill Kaprizov behind the net, and Kaprizov just turned and just gave him the lumber right to the face. And I I can't remember if even Kaprizov got fined. He didn't get suspended, um, but it was freaking talk about out of character. I think uh, Kaprizov got a major, and it it was just like, but that's what Dowdy does to you. He just you know both physically and talking. It's just it's his brand of hockey. It's been that way forever. Top two, as the old Iron Sheik used to say. After the break, the GM of the New Jersey Devils, Tom Fitzgerald, to talk about the big trade to get Timo Meyer. So don't go anywhere. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. That's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Well, guys, we've obviously been talking about the big moves that happened not only over the last couple of days, but over the last week or so. And one of the biggest, both in terms of the name involved and sheer volume of things going back and forth was pulled off by our next guest, Tom Fitzgerald, GM of the New Jersey Devils, joining us on the Athletic Hockey Show. Thanks so much for doing this at a crazy time uh, for you, Tom. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, guys. It is crazy busy. The war room is, uh, is heating up. A lot of arguments, a lot of debates, uh, a lot of what do we need and what about this guy and what do you want to give up and we will have no draft picks uh, if we keep doing this. And, uh, and so, 
you know, it's, <laughs> it's fun. It's fun at times being around the, the, the staff because um, it's easy for them to just not give everything away <laughs> to, to, be, to be good. But, you know, our staff's passionate about where we're at. It's fun. And, you know, they haven't had much impact the last few years because all we did was sell off. And here we are. We're, we're, we're potential buyers uh, moving forward as well. Well, we're obviously going to talk about the Meyer deal and everything else, but I got to ask you the same question we asked Jim Nill a couple of weeks ago. We asked Ben Hankinson, uh, the player agent, last week. Um, is 2023 going to be the year we look at when when deadline day, and I emphasize day, officially is is just erased from our lexicon, and it is deadline weeks or month because it used to be you know 2:55 Eastern time, all these trades come in. It seems as though so much has happened in the last couple of weeks. What's deadline day going to be this year? And, and if it is dead, what do you think is the main reason for it? Well, I think one, I'd be, I'd be definitely in favor of moving the deadline up. You know, you look at the NBA and where their deadline's at. Um, I think I think the public and maybe the media and uh, people who aren't coaches or players might not understand really what it takes to understand a new system. You know, being dropped into deep end with a new team, and uh, you can ask any NHL coach. Um, start a camp. Teams are learning a new system, or you're teaching that system. It takes 20 games for it really clicks. So you, that's why when people say, well, "Let's evaluate our team after 20 games," it's because you know everybody's up running on the same page. So when you talk about dropping, you know, new players into you know new systems, for us, anyways, our D zone coverage is different. And a lot of the majority of teams. Um, it takes time. I've got I've got guys that we brought in the summer that it's just finally clicking, you know. But with that being said, I I, I do. I, I think that's part of why teams get ahead of the day. You know, um, people always say you're probably gonna get your best best offer, your best acquisition on the eleventh hour. But you know what? Sometimes you may you might roll the dice, and you, you may not. So maybe you get your best you know deal done uh, a week ahead or, or plus. But I do think again, I'd be very interested in moving the deadline up. Even even a month would be great for, for me personally. Uh, Fitzy, let's uh, talk about uh, Timo Meyer. Uh, what made him the guy that you you focused on uh, in this deadline, and and how how tough were those negotiations? Because obviously, you weren't the only team going after him. Yeah, well, Timo, um, I think his his resume you know speaks for itself. You know, he's uh, he's a presence out there. He's a big body, he can skate, real good hand, shoots the puck. He's a he's a he's a goal scorer. You know, he gets to the net. He's tough to move out from the net front, holding on to pucks in the corners. The dirtier he gets to, so um, the player itself is one thing. But when you look at the age, um, the control, and then you think about adding that to your your current group. It just made too much sense not to, to do this. So uh, negotiations were long and they were lasting uh, hours and just tire kicking and then framing of a deal and then tightening up that framework and then trying to handicap the, the, the competition, you know, who, who we read through the media um, and try to figure out, you know, we do have a good chance at something like this because of our prospect pool. And I told Mike, you know, this, I'm not going to apologize for a really strong prospect pool. Um, so whether it's player A or, or E, we may consider those A players um, and they're important pieces to our organization moving forward. So um, Mike Greer was great to work with. Uh, he just is very, very thorough. Um, he did his due diligence. 
I listen to his team. Um, and then obviously, like any good manager, you play you play one offer up against the other and you just keep squeezing. <laughs> <laughs> you you mentioned the age and the control. Um, how I guess how big of a factor was that? Because you look at a lot of the top guys on the that are available at the deadline and they're over 30 and they're pending UFAs and you mentioned you're you're kind of just starting your window of winning with this team. How how important was it to add someone not just for this run but for the next few runs? Very important. You know, if you're going to give up those type of assets, you want to at least control him a couple years, and we we do with with Team Owen, uh, Team Owen. So, um, but the goal here is to extend him. The goal is for him to fall in love with New Jersey. You know, the the on ice product, the players, the age group. Living, it, it's a. I've said this over and over again. If you if you if you don't live here, you don't understand it. You don't know it, but it's a hidden gem. It really is. The you know somebody from the West Coast comes in. I mean, we're in our bed every night. Anytime we play an East Coast, uh, an Eastern Conference team, at one in the morning, you know, at, at the very least, you know, the, the airport's ten minutes away. We one stop shopping with practice facility, game facility. Um, there's a lot to like. A lot of couple bus trips for games. It's just. We, we travel the least out of every NHL team other than the neighbors here. Um, so there's just a lot to sell. And that's our, that's our goal is uh, when he comes here, he's going to fall in love with it and understand it that, uh, you know, when Newark to Zurich is <laughs> nonstop, you know, five and a half hours. So more family over. Fun. So a lot of good. Tom, the East is an absolute train wreck to get through. I mean, you've got so many teams that easily could, could find themselves uh, one of the last two teams standing. And, and Timo Meyer to me, was the, the big fish in, in this uh, deadline period. Um, all that being said, what does this say to your team? I mean, obviously, you, any team would love a Timo Meyer, but what does this say to your team that their GM went out and got the biggest name available and to, to, to gear up for such a, such a tough road ahead as far as the playoffs go? Well, first, you know, the East is it's going to be a gauntlet. You know, you look at the, the potential matchups now, uh, the additions that every team in the East is, is doing uh, or adding. Um, so we, we know that, you know, but our window isn't just one year. It's not just this year. We believe we've got a 10-year run. And again, that's what we're trying to sell team along. He can be part of something for a long, long time, you know, especially with the prospects that we do have coming, you know, to, to add to this. This already core our pillars um, and having Timo be part of those pillars. So, um, but I, what it says to our team, I think it, it tells them you know this is a reward for them, but more of we believe in them. We believe that you know, hey, why not us? Like, why can't we be a team that goes and has a Cinderella run? Because um, we do have the talent, we don't have the experience. Uh, that's why I brought in guys like Palat and Dougie Hamilton and Smith and Halla. Uh, these guys have experience in the playoffs, so. Um, Timo does too, as well. So we're we think uh, it's a, it's an applaud to them, but also our fan base deserves this. They deserve to to continue to see us add um, to get excited, not just for this spring, but many springs ahead. Uh, Fitzy, um, the conditions on the draft picks in your in your trades, I, I probably read it about ten times, and I still didn't really totally understand it. How the heck do you negotiate those conditions? Who does it? How do you even broach that? Um, and do you know them by heart? <laughs> well, you know what? When you're, when you're framing a deal, and um, I won't get into specifics, and certain players are asked, and then you, you weigh the, well, would this player be more valuable than, say, a draft pick? You know? um, so then you introduce the draft pick. 
piece versus another prospect, um, uh, maybe a roster player instead, and then a you know a, a draft pick piece that has the chance to move up the total pool with our success. Um, that's always an attraction to to teams, you know the what ifs, and um, I think that was really attractive to, to Mike. Um, and then you start working on those. Okay, the conditions of this and that. At the end of the day, we wanted Timo Meyer. And I'll go back to what I said earlier. We believe we can sell Timo Meyer to sign here long term. Um, and that's our goal. So, um, giving up, uh, an extra first to go to, you know, a conference final. Um, again, that's, I think those are small peanuts if you're, you know, because again, the, the big fish is, is, is playing with you. Tom, just along those lines, before you you jumped on the, the line with us, we were joking about the times where, when it was very much the norm, the coach slash GM, who did both jobs. And I look at this deal you pulled off to get Timo Meyer, and Mike just alluded to it, like it, it's it, he's read it 10 times and it's still crazy. How many people are involved in a trade this big? How many people did you talk to before that final you know deal is pulled off and sent to the league? Because... It is just so complicated that I couldn't imagine someone doing this and then saying, well, I got to go to practice downstairs <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, you know, all in, I, you know, when you're a manager versus let me have my assistant take over the administrative stuff and, and I'm going to go to and blow a whistle. Um, I kind of feel like I'm a hybrid too, because I'm always down in the coach's room and going through strategy <laughs> with them and, uh, but it is, it's, it's difficult. So my team, you know, obviously David Blitzer and, and Tad Brown, our CEO, David, our, our, one of our owners with Josh Harris, you know, they've given me, you know, car plans to, to get deals done. I, I'm we're very transparent and we keep them up to speed with, you know, where things are going. Um, my team consists of my assistant managers, uh, my personnel guys, my cap guy, uh, Marty Bredor, uh, is the VP of hockey up. So I, I've got a team of, uh, five or six that are in my core of listen every every Monday started started in January every Monday on a call or in person and that went to a couple times a week um, just to keep everybody afloat on what was going on and then you start going into the, the pieces um, and, and really what the values are and how you can not to you know the most important thing to us was you know protecting certain players in our in our organization. Um, but like I said earlier, we, we feel we, we felt we have many, uh, assets. I can't keep them all, but we drop them. They're assets. We develop them. They're assets. They're either going to play here or they're going to be moved on from people who are going to come and play here. And that's, that's what we do. You've obviously put in a lot of work over the last few years to build up that prospect pool. And that's kind of the, the meat and potatoes of the management and the scouts and everything. But how much, just on a personal level, how much fun is it to get to this point in, where the franchise is that now you're you're buying at the deadline and you're trying to win um just kind of transitioning from that acquiring assets and building to now we're trying to win to be honest with you my mentor Ray Shiro brought me here and sold me on that sold me on you know the fun of building and but but first we've got to do this to to gain those assets to help us move forward um so his strategy and his plan from the get-go uh, was bang on, and I would have been fortunate enough to continue on with that. But yeah, it's a it's a fun it's a fun place to be at. Um, you know, now really we're we're managing expectations versus okay, what else do we need, and what are we going to give 
you just said it. We've got a strong, we feel we've got a strong, you know, prospect pool. And I'm not talking about like the first tier, you know, there's good players in the second tier, even in the third tier, you know, can those players get us, you know, something that gives us some depth on the back end or uh, depth up front. You know, that's what we're, we're going through right now. Um, but you, you trying to utilize those pieces to improve is, is my job. Uh, Fitzy, um, uh, I still remember being on a payphone in South Florida with you in the uh, late 90s when you became the first uh, captain of the National Predators. Uh, David Poyle uh, announced the other day that he's re- uh, retiring. Uh, your coach, Barry Trotz, is now going to be the next GM. Uh, what did David Poyle mean, uh, one, to the sport, but to that organization? And similarly, how do you think Barry Trotz will do now that he uh, is leaving the uh, the whistle behind? Well, first, both Barry and, and, and David hold uh, uh, us strong place in my heart um we're, we're linked forever you know the first game of the predators first coach of the predators and the first captain of the predators so um both the mentors of mine you know david uh more so on the on the um the management side and barry was great from to me and kind of probably was the guy who allowed me to, to be an extension of the coaching staff as the captain to really think about his coaching in my future um uh, David, uh, David's a Hall of Famer, in, in my opinion. I think in a lot of people's opinion, you, you don't, you can't stay in this business for as long as he has if you're not successful. And, and people want to define success as winning a cup, and that's that's wrong. You know, every year he had, he's had a competitive team. He built up the the National Predators. He built up that brand, you know, for for the for the league and for that city. Um, he means everything to to the National Predators. So I do think he's a Hall of Famer. Um, we talked the other day. Maybe I could be his last ever trade. You know, <laughs> I'm going to give him a call and see. If that's <laughs> <possible>. <laughs> but with Barry too, like uh, I'm actually lucky. You know, as a young young manager, um, I go to these GM meetings. I've got Lou Lamorello, who's also a mentor. He was at Providence with me. He's my AD on the right. And I have David Poyle, my mentor from, from Nashville on my left. So Barry will be next to me and maybe I can help him a lot with some experience. Yeah. As well. um, by the way, you keep on saying, you know, you're trying to determine what you need. What, what do the Devils still need to, you know, keep up with uh, all these other teams in the East that are just making move after move after move? I, I think anybody would say you continue to create some depth in your organization, whether it's on the back end, whether it's, it's uh, up front, the different styles of, of depth, you know, you want to be able to play any type of game um, for any type of matchup, um, but you can never have enough depth. And, you know, we'll talk about maybe, maybe there's a goalie piece out there that we should consider too, just, just in case, you know, um, especially after what we went through last year with using seven goalies, uh, you just, you just don't know. Um, so that's all. I, I listen, I, I, I firmly believe you build, you build your team in the summer and they grow together through training camp, you grow through a system. Like I said, you kind of evaluate where you're up 20 games. They get comfortable. Um, adding pieces uh, is, is a necessity as well to win. Um, but really, how much should you add? You know, and like I said, I'm not getting caught up with the whole, we got team all, we're, 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 we're the third best team in the league at this point. But this isn't our window. We're, oh, it is a window. It's just starting. It's not the, it's a pretty big window. Um, so, you know what? I, I trust the players that we have. I trust 
that uh, what we've done this year is, is, is not a coincidence. And I, I believe in the coaches to continue to drive, you know, our team to play the right way each and every night. Last one before we let you go, Tom. I know you said you love the build. It is fun. You love tinkering. But at 3.01 Eastern time when you're done, how much of an exhale is that? What do you do for one day just to say, okay, this is done? Do you, is there a beverage of choice? Do you go out for dinner? Do you kind of go, okay, now this is the team I get to watch for the rest of the year? Great question because it's really it's – a, it's a different feeling. Um, I'll be honest with you. I, I'd be fine not doing anything. I, I trust my team. You know, um, in the past, you, you, you know, to get to where at today, you, you have the sell players for assets to, to get here. That's stressful. You know, that's stressful when you get to, you know, two thirty on deadline day, you know, it's, it's something that you just like, Oh man, I want to get rid of this will be nowhere near that. Um, I'll be leaving on Friday night. To head to the Midwest, go watch my participate my son's uh, parents' weekend out in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Uh, be a dad uh, for for Friday and Saturday night, and like I said, enjoy watching my team play and um, and just supporting them. Uh, start working on you know employee contracts, uh, the draft, uh, college free agents. Uh, go maybe watch some college games. Get out and do some scouting. Um, yeah, that's where you can just. I only take a breath and, and kind of enjoy the moment. We'll enjoy it and enjoy being a dad. <laughs> yeah, Fitzy, let me ask you about your other son. Uh, last night I'm watching TV and there on the bench is Casey Fitzgerald in a Florida Panthers uniform where you uh, had such a great career, got them to the Stanley Cup final with a huge goal in Game 7 in Pittsburgh. Um, how proud are you to see this come full circle where Casey, uh, who's down in Florida as a little baby, uh, is now playing for the Panthers? It's it's unique, you know that. I actually thought we were the first father's son who who did it, but I was wrong. The Stillmans were. Um, yeah. So it's, it's just an incredible feeling to you know just to say we've done that, and he he gets to he gets to feel what hockey's like in South Florida for however long it is. But uh, no, it's really cool. I'm proud of all my boys. You know, Casey's gone through a tough time this year too. You know, um, at every he might say, "Why oh, isn't the NHL? It's easy," but no, it's not. When you haven't played a game in two months. Uh, it's tough and he's a good player like he knows what kind of player he is he can help a team um that's tough you just need your chance uh, whether he played four minutes or 24 it doesn't matter last night i told him it's like be proud of this you know you've done something that not many not many ex panthers can say their kids did <laughs> um and it's just special you can imagine if, if your son dressed up for a team that you played for uh it's pretty cool yeah well, Tom, we pulled you out of the war room. I have a feeling as soon as you're done with us, you're going right back in there. But thanks for taking some time out to chat with us. Enjoy the rest of the week and enjoy uh, enjoy the weekend with your son. Always a pleasure, guys. Anytime. Take care. Yep. See you, Fitzy. Tom Fitzgerald, Fitz. the general manager of the New Jersey Devils. Coming up after the break, rapid fire. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, boys, my favorite time of the show and yours, Rapid Fire Russo. This means rapid. He's not going to be rapid. Uh, we're going to start with a goaltending topic. As soon as I saw it, this is what this is how you get in my head, Jesse. Brand like, strong. I saw it. I saw it. I'm like, Linus Hallmark just scored a goal. Jesse's going to want to talk about this. I mean, it is a big enough topic that you talk about. The rich get richer. I mean, he's one of the main reasons this team has been so good this year. And then he scores a goal. How happy were you to see that? First time in the history of the sport that the Vezina Trophy was so, was locked up with a goal. With a goal? You'll <laughs> never be able to. Like, I don't know if you'll ever be able to say it again. Like, he won the Vezina Trophy with that goal. Um, he was already probably going to win it, but. That just seals it. That's the icing on the cake. And just so you know, the, I'm, I'm very proud that my brand is as strong as it is with the goalies because you're not alone. I'm sitting in the T-Mobile Arena in the press box, and it's still like an hour, hour and a half before the Golden Knights game starts. And <laughs> Olmark scores the goal. And like six different people came up to me and were like, hey, did you see it? It's like, yes, I did. Everyone came over to talk to me about the goalie goal. It was so awesome. Not just because a goalie scored, and that's rare, but the like the way he scored yeah. that was so awesome. I mean, we're snipe. talking. It was a snipe. snipe. He, <laughs> he, he lofted that thing, an absolute moonshot over the entire rink like it landed five feet in front of the net and there were four checkers coming right at it like in his face and it's a they one goal to, game. they don't want to be like, on the ice when that happens i remember covering mark andre flurry like he wants to score one so bad like every goalie does but i don't know if anyone wants it more than flurry and he would he would always say like yeah it was only a one goal game i couldn't really go for it there like he always, like he would wait for a two goal game that way if i screw this up we still win the game one goal game all mark Four checkers in his face, lofts it up. He almost hit the scoreboard and sniped it. What a play. <laughs> I just uh, know what I loved is the reaction of the bench, but also his sidekick, Jeremy Swayman. I mean, Swayman just loved it. You know, a bunch of bear hugs. It was just really, really neat. Rapid fire topic number two. Patrick Marlowe had his number 12 retired in San Jose. Not a big shocker. The all-time leader in games played. You think Patrick Marlowe, what do you think, Russo? Uh, how about Joe Thornton just bawling, crying during the uh, pregame yeah. ceremony too, as well? Um, yeah, the thing about Marlowe is is fast, offensive, and he just to me was a San Jose Shark. And then you hear about all the stories about the you know him going to Toronto and mentoring guys like Marner. Um, you know, he, he just seems like a tremendous guy and a fascinating guy too. I did that intermission story um, a month ago or so, and you know the guy took freaking ice cold you know cold tubs between periods for his basically his entire career um you know which uh as as pete DeBoer would say uh you know it pretty much shows you that uh you know, nobody's going to question that if, if somebody that plays the most games in nhl history is doing something like that yeah when i honestly when i think san jose sharks i think patrick marlowe like he is the san jose sharks for for as long as they've been in the league so uh no surprise and uh very deserved jersey retirement Rapid fire topic number three. Craig Berube was not happy after his team blew a 2-0 lead and lost 3-2 in overtime to Vancouver. Quote, 
Our best players don't play with any passion, no emotion, no inspiration at all. They don't play inspired hockey. You cannot play in this league without emotion, grit, and being inspired. They're getting paid lots of money and they're not doing their job. End of story. That's it. That's what it boils down to. End quote. Jesse. <laughs> Whole lot of honesty happening in that sentence. Wow. My goodness. Uh, I'm sure this is, it's it's kind of a window into, I'm sure, some conversations between GMs and the players. Um Usually we don't get to see that or hear that or be a part of that, but it was kind of cool that we finally were able to. Um, yeah, lot, very, very, a lot of honesty and, uh, like I said, a window into maybe how some GMs view when they when they feel like they've built a talented team that's not performing. Yeah, and uh, Bruby, I don't know if you watched it. I mean, he, he was so calm about it, guys. I mean, it, he was right. sitting at the podium after the game, just like you know, just like saying it. And I'm sure, like the beat writers and Jeremy, Jeremy Rutherford's, their their you know jaws dropped. There's no walking that back. I mean, you walk into the room now as the coach, and you gotta you gotta look these guys in the eyes after they read this and and hear about it and all that stuff. And a couple of the guys actually push back on it. Um, uh, very, very interesting. Kind of reminded me of the, the um, playoffs and was it 97? I think 97 or not. would have been 98 or 99, Philadelphia and, and Detroit when they were in the Stanley Cup Finals. So it would have been 98 and um, 97. And Terry Murray, Terry, <laughs> Terry Murray basically said, uh, you know, he's like, we're in a choking situation. <laughs> it was like, whoa. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, true. Obviously, I think Craig Berube is feeling the, the pressure now of the coach of that team. Um, I can't imagine he would lose his job. Um, but look, I mean, there's a lot of pressure there, right? I know they won a couple cup a couple years ago, but you got a goalie that's not had a great year. You have a couple guys that got dueling contracts um, in Cairo and Thomas, who are now the core of that team that um, he clearly, I think, is talking about. Um, it's just, uh, they've got to figure it out. And, and, uh, you know, between Doug Armstrong and Craig Ruby, I think they will. Final topic guys. Um, Mark Giordano became the all time blocked shots leader in the NHL. 2045 blocked shots. <clears throat> it's a stat that just started being tracked in 2005, 2006. So it's not like he's up there with, you know, some of the all time greats, but is this a stat that maybe 20, 30 50 years from now, people are gonna gonna care about because to me, any stat that wasn't has only been around for you know since 2005 is not something I'm necessarily gonna be following that closely. Russo, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't shock me actually if he does have the record though. I mean, you know, it's it's not like back in the day. Obviously, uh, I know that I'm trying to age myself during the show a lot, but I, I didn't cover the the league in the 80s and the 70s and the 60s. But it definitely feel, felt like a different brand of hockey when I watch all those old time clips. So. He might be the number one guy. Who knows? I mean, I, it's an impressive stat. I mean, look, you know, you're, you're putting your body in harm's way, um, you know, oh, yeah. in front of hundred mile per hour slap shots, and and somehow stay healthy enough to break that to get that record. I think it's pretty impressive. I think Mark Giordano is one heck of a pro, and um, you know, all the power to him. It's a, it's a cool little, uh, you know, feather in his cap. I'm not saying two thousand block shots is not impressive. I'm yeah. just saying. <laughs> became the all-time leader. Like, yeah. I love the way they try making it a bigger story than it is. I agree with Rob that it's kind of like, it takes away from the, the prestige of it because they weren't counting yeah. it. But to, to, to Michael's point, not only is it a different brand of hockey, they're shooting pucks a lot harder since yes, Mark yeah. Giordano started doing this and, and elevating them. Like I, like, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that the puck, like most of the shots were what, 
two feet and under if you look if you go back to like the 60s 70s so even if you were to count those blocks what they were blocking them with their skate blade this guy's eating 100 mile an hour slap shots in the chest um <laughs> i think it's a and 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 I agree with what you said, Rob, that maybe 50 years from now, that is a, because that's such a hockey guy stat, right? Like goals and assists, but like hockey players respect guys laying in front of shots. It's winning hockey. It helps you win. It's maybe the hardest thing to do to lay in, to sacrifice your body in front of a shot like that. So um, I think down the road, that is, that is a a stat that that will hold importance. And and Giordano's done it a long time. It's probably going to take a while for someone to break it. And yeah, it, it the style of hockey, you're right. Like, I, if you really want to start going back, I didn't cover the game back then either, Russo, but there was that old adage, one, your superstars don't block shots, and two, if you're not going to block the shot, get the hell out of the way so the so the goalie can see it. Um, now, you'll see games where there's four or five block shots on a power play. You know what I mean? It just it just happens so so much more often. So congratulations, Mark Giordano. You're on the Mount Olympus of uh, blocked shots. All right, boys, a couple days left. What are we working on this week before, you know, that <laughs> Cinderella turns back into a pumpkin at 3 p.m. Eastern time? Russo? Um, I'm, I'm on the run with the Hurricanes, uh, so I'll be doing a story on their uh, the way that they pivoted. Um, obviously, they went for Team Amaya, took some swings at a couple other things. Um, I still think they're going to be active, and it's just going to be interesting how they pivot here uh, going into Friday's deadline. So that story will probably be in Monday's Athletic. Um, and I go to Arizona tonight after the uh, after the Vegas Golden Knights and the um, and the and the Carolina Hurricanes play. So I'll be in Arizona on Thursday and Friday. So hopefully I'm there during the Chikrin resolution. One way or the other, I could do is live story there on that. Um, it doesn't. I was hoping to get a one on one with Pooley Arvey. Uh, being traded to Carolina, but because he uh, needs to fly to Ottawa or Calgary to get his work visa, it doesn't look like that he'll be on this road trip and he'll probably meet the team in Carolina, so that's not going to happen. And then I got the GM's meetings uh, March 12th to the 15th, so uh, I'll be down in South Florida. Yeah, if you if you uh, book an interview with Chicken three years from now, you'll have that live trade story. Ready. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy! I'm- Just get him out of there! I, I am going to be working uh, this week. I'm covering a team that is psychotic around the trade deadline so i will be i will be i'm sure have at least one more trade to cover uh, before the clock strikes midnight on the nhl trade deadline should be fun be sure to look out for that because yes the trade deadline is this friday and this friday ian mendez and Haley salvian are going to host a live and interactive trade deadline recap show starting at 2 30 eastern time on the athletic hockey show youtube channel facebook and on twitter 2.30. See, that's how you do it when no trades are, are happening. You don't have to start at 10 a.m., 7 a.m., 2.30. Get past the deadline and recap on what happened. Subscribe, remember, to the Athletics NHL YouTube channel at youtube.com slash the Athletic Hockey Show. And the Athletic Hockey Show returns Thursday with Ian Mendez and down goes Brown. Big thanks to Tom Fitzgerald. For Russo, for Jesse, I'm Pizzo. We'll see you next week.